Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Being There Done That on Joy 94.9. Lovely to have you with us. We're having a holiday in a little while, so we've got three programs to go. Mm. We'll be taking a few weeks off because Gordon's going away on the high seas again or something like that. Down again. a river, do you? Not, down, not on the high seas. Down a river, right. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm flying away to Europe as well, so I'll, I'll wave to you. And, 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 and Phil's going to be driving backwards and forwards to Blackburn. Is he? No, I'm taking the train. You're taking the train to Blackburn. Yes. I'll just imagine I'm cruising. <laughs> okay. So it is lovely to have you with us on Been There, Done That, Joy's History Program. On today's show, we'll be talking about a forthcoming LGBTIQ social event on the 7th of October, the Coming Back Out Ball. We'll remind ourselves of the bad old days in 1994 when Melbourne's gay community confronted the police who'd raided the Tasty Nightclub. We'll review the long and slow march of constitutional recognition of the nation's first peoples, and we'll talk about the Snowy Mountains hydroelectric scheme, amongst other topics. First off, though, I'd like to say thank you to Gordon for representing the gay community so nicely on ABC Radio a couple of mornings ago at 7.30 while I was having me Wheaties. Was it really? I'm glad it didn't put you off your Wheaties. <laughs> no. Now, what was this all about, please? Well, they rang me from the studio and asked me if I would, could talk about the Coming Back Out Ball, which is going to be on in 7th of October at 6 o'clock at the Melbourne Town Hall. And they wanted to know a little bit more information. So I, the publicist that rang me and said, could they call, call me? And I said, yes, they could, because I was already up and out of bed and uh, so they rang and we had a, had a little bit of chat with um, Rochelle Hunt and um, Brian Nankervis on the uh, ABC radio mm. and they made the comment there was someone made the comment that you speak very well on radio oh, must be all the practice you've had on joy a joy yes that's true too and they did and they did happen to mention that I was a presenter on joy on being there done that yeah and Ra- rochelle had a bit of a giggle about that one she thought it was a pretty good title yeah <laughs> we do too um, so what is this particular uh, elders dance that you'll be talking about well is happening there is an elders dance club that i go to as well that's that's held at the fitzroy town hall on the first third every month but this next month it's going to be on a sunday afternoon at two o'clock at the fitzroy town hall so if you want to have a bit of a fun and a bit of a giggle it's it's good and you, we learned we've been doing a few dance steps and learning to do th- bits and pieces and getting ready for the coming back out ball so that's the coming out ball on the 7th of october at the melbourne town hall now we're the, coming back out not just the coming out it's, well, the it's coming, the coming back, back out. out we're coming back ball. out we certainly are now is it a dress up ball? yes it's formal or fabulous 
formal or fabulous. Love that bit. <laughs> um, what dance steps would we need to know? Oh, look, you, you can just j- jiggle along to the music if you want to. You know, we've been learning the, um, we, what did we learn? The Chicago Chicago Swing, I think it was, the other night we were doing that. And then we've done the Evening Three Step. And But there's lots of disco music and everything. And there's going to be some great artists who will be there. There's a, there's a whole lineup of very talented people that are going to be doing the entertainment between the dancing. There's, uh, Robin Archer is the, um, is the hostess of, yeah. for the evening. And Carlotta will be there. Now, Carlotta the drag queen. The Carlotta, the transgendered lady, yes. Wow, she's been around for, for a while. Uh, quite a while, mm-hmm. since last century. Yep, but... Uh, Deborah yep, Cheatham? De- Deborah Cheatham. I'm looking forward to Deborah because she's got such a great voice. Jerry um, Connolly. Jerry Connolly. Probably, I don't know what he's going to come as with perhaps the Queen Mum or something rather. I'm not quite Could sure. Be. Yeah. But it's anyhow. The, it's and, and there'll be a live little orchestra. And a live orchestra to dance to. Yes. Yes. So there you go. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun night. And already on Facebook, a lot of people are already signing up for it. Mm. Now, why on earth would there be a need or is it a celebration of LGBT elders coming out? Well, it's 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 part of it's part of the the actual seniors week. Uh, there is a, the the big seniors week that's going on. But um, Tristan and all the Queen's men have decided that we should have a ball, a, 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 a gay ball for the older gay community. You don't have to be old to come to it. You can come to it as long as you you'll have to pay if you do come. But the, if you're if you're an LGBTIQ person over sixty five, you get in for free. Yes, so if you're over 65, you're free. And you can be a wallflower if you want you to. You can be a wallflower if you want to, or you can get up and dance. You can have to do whatever you want to do. But other than that, there is a pri- there is a charge for it as well. There, There's a concession price and a, and a main price. Yeah. And uh, you can find out information for that on coming out, comingbackoutball.com. That's right, yes, yes. So you can find out all about it, who's on. And it, it's happening. quite a f- often that, in fact, as we get older we tend to be pushed back into the closet. Well... And, and in, except in your case. <laughs> yes, I'm where not... Where you found a closet that didn't have any door on it. Didn't have a back on it either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get into Narnia. Uh, but it was... No, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a good thing because there's so much done for the youth of the gay community. But we do need something done for the older people. Well, we tend to become more invisible as we get older. Oh, God, yes. So that's I've, one I've, thing. I've just the invisible man half the time. Yeah. yeah. Except when I'm on joy. But it's also, it's an opportunity to realise that you're not the only gay in the village. That's exactly right. There's a, certainly a few gays in the Melbourne village. I think Batman would be pleased. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrific. So that's it, uh, Coming back out ball dot com dot com. Yep. But you'll probably be hearing more about it here on Joy in yes. the next few weeks as yep. well because seventh of October is about what, how many months away? Two months. Two, two months, months away. so you've got yep. time to get your, your ball frock ready or your penguin suit to the dry cleaners and back again or just getting your head in that space. Now on the seventh of August nineteen ninety four there was another evening dance event which was actually upset. It, it was it was held. This dance event was held in Melbourne, in Down the in Commerce Club in Flinders Street, mm. and it was a, a nightclub, a gay nightclub called mm-hmm. the Tasty Nightclub. Well, th- some of well, our listeners don't. may not, yeah, and this is our yeah. opportunity, yeah. Gordon, yeah. to yeah, to right. perhaps yeah. uh, fill in a few of the blank spaces and let people realise that 
major events in Australia's gay history have occurred here in Melbourne. It's not always been Sydney. No, it's not always no, no. Uh, anywhere else. Mm. Melbourne has played its own part. Uh, Sydney has the Mardi Gras. That was their police confrontation. The Tasty Nightclub on the 7th of August 1994 is Melbourne's time of arrival. Well, it was a, it was a something that sort of changed the atmosphere pretty well throughout the, the state, I would have thought. Oh, yes. You know, I, I, I just think it was such a, a, sh- well, a shocking thing. Well, what happened on that night mm. was that the 463 patrons of the Tasty Nightclub were detained for seven hours, strip-searched and cavity-searched, and in some cases brutalised by armed members of Victoria Police. Mm-hmm. Not a very proud time for them. No, but I think from that oh, they learned a lot, Pol, didn't they? They certainly did. Yeah. The Tasty Nightclub wasn't widely known to the general public prior to the media reports of the, the raid and was a popular alternative venue frequented by a large number of gay and transgender patrons and uh, well-known like local identities. Though not endorsed by the organisers, drug-taking was common amongst some of the patrons. And the tasty events were in some ways a precursor to the uh, later underground rave parties. Mm. So the cops came to raid the venue on the basis that there were drugs present. The venue, though, was legal, wasn't it? It was a legal gathering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So do you need a strip search to find drugs? Well, it was it was was not necessary, but they did it, and this is where the hot. This is one of the main things about the raid was, wasn't it? Because we, of the strip searching. Yeah, and and the whole process actually founded on the basis that we were impotent, that we had no comeback to the police, that they could do almost what they wanted to. Well, that was the attitude, wasn't it? It of was. The police, is that mm, we yeah. won't speak up. But then, of course, they didn't realise that our community has some very interesting and high-profile legal people. Well, you yes, know, and, but uh, you've got to remember that the predominant sexuality of the events clientele was already and well-known to the police, yeah. leading to intense speculation that the club was specifically target for reasons grounded in homophobia. Oh, well. And when you look at the, the age of the police force at that period, 94, it was what I'll call the old generation. It's our grandfather's generation, possibly, who were in the police force, and their attitudes were quite likely to be homophobic. Can I just put it in perspective? There would have been drug-taking at straight venues. Of course there was, yeah. And they weren't raided. Not on this occasion. No. Well, have they been raided well, they on a regular basis? I, I think that the places down in King Street that were still operating, I think they had sort of regular sort of checkups, you yeah, know. But probably not strip searches. But not strip searches, I would have thought. So no. the, the argument for homophobia is fairly strong. It made such headlines that it really brought well, the gay community into the front of front left, front and centre of everything that was happening, exactly. didn't it? Exactly. Well, you know... Nowhere else had there happened at a raid. No patrons were permitted to enter or leave the venue for approximately seven hours. That's never happened to the Straits. Full nudity was enforced and searches were performed in full view of other patrons. Mm. The strip search, while distressing for all attendees, were particularly humiliating for transgender patrons. Oh, definitely for transgender so, people. So, yeah. you know, mm. it, it's uh, apparently the raid resulted in two, only two, 
drug-related arrests. Out of 400 how many? Char- 463 patrons, yeah. but all charges were later dropped. Mm, they had to be. So th- this was taken up, this raid, uh, the cause was taken up by the, the, uh, the Age newspaper. Look mm-hmm. at this, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And the resulting media attention created to date a great deal of political controversy as well as embarrassment to the police force and the Kennett government of the day. They, they copped a lot of flack as well. With all this steam being generated, a, a class action was run by some, some uh, legal types, mm-hmm. and one of those people was Gary Singer, That's right. later the Deputy Lord Mayor of the City of Melbourne, but also one of the, the benefactors here at, at Joy. Joy. Mm, yeah. We have number one studio is the Gary Singer studio. Mm, that's right. Uh, and the incident led to successful legal action against the Victoria Police and damages of well over $10 million was awarded to patrons. Uh, this sum would have been con- considerably higher had all the affected parties come forward but a large number of patrons feeling fearing the repercussions of outing themselves in a public forum or reluctant to relive the traumatic experience didn't participate well there would be a lot of people probably went to the place which would who would have still been in the closet oh yeah you know and but they could go to these places where they could be with their like kind yeah so they could enjoy themselves that's right you know and then they get the, something like the police raid going on well you wouldn't want your name splashed all over the paper or anything for mm. doing that you know you would have had employers that would have been very um homophobic perhaps and yeah. would have sacked you on the spot and all this sort of thing you know the uh, the tasty raid has been described by some as melbourne's stone wall hmm comparable to the latter through the effect on community views and awareness and the resultant reviews of inappropriate police activity. Mm. Well, one of the results of the police activity was, in fact, the creation of the gay and lesbian... Liaison officers. Exactly, liaison (laughs) officers. That would have been many years later, though. It was a few years later. Well, a few years later. A few years later, but at least we have the wonderful glows now. We do. We have them on podcast here on Joy. You can go to podcast and listen to the glows on podcast. They don't broadcast out live, but you do can see their listen to their podcast. You can talk to the glows, but you can also safely walk into a police station yes and report a gay crime that's right yep with with no fear of recrimination because the generations of old homophobic the crusty old coppers are gone they have and we've got a far more enlightened attitude now let's do the same with parliament let's hear denny hines and christine arnu they're taking it to the streets you're with chris phil and gordon been there done that join 94.9 stay tuned there's more. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station Joy 94.9. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that. I just realised, gentlemen, I didn't introduce you earlier. Oh, look, but I think the, our the, regular oh, you listeners don't need any know who we are. We don't Gordon. need introduction. No, neither but do Phil, you. I do. Yes. I would like to announce that I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> And if you'd like to write to me yes. and congratulate me for being here, you can send an email to been there at joy.org.au. Okay. You can talk to Chris and Gordon as well. Yeah. If oh. you wish. All right, then. Oh. They, can, he can, they can just address it to, hey, you, guys. Or, yeah, guys. 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 Now, also, we do have some podcasts sitting up there. Uh, Julia is 
transferred her affections to other shows and mm. I'm now doing the podcasting for being there, done that. And it's a learning process for me, but it's great to learn new skills. Mm. So there's uh, four of my postings up on the being there, done that. Can you tell the difference between yours and oh, Julia's? Oh, yes. Yours is more smooth? Or? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the content is much the same. Oh, right. uh, but it's just the way I describe in words what we're talking about and the photographs I select and okay. the headings. The headings, right. Yeah, Talking about headings. Talking about headings. Yes, you're talking about headings, are you? Mm-hmm. There was a big, big thing that was going on up in the Northern Territory over the last couple of days. Gama, Gama, I think it's called. Yeah, Gama, the Gama Festival, which is held, it's an annual event, um, but because of the um, other conference that they had at the Uluru, um, this one had a bit more significance um, for, the, for the Indigenous people, Indigenous Australians. Well, it's a cultural event, historically. It is, it's, yeah, it's, but is, it's, this year it seems to have been very political. Well, it had to be because of the... Of the um, Whatever what happened at uh, Uluru earlier this year, yeah. So that was a continuation of the demands for recognition. recognition. And I, now I'm going to say that this is a pretty old bloody story that's coming round and round every year. Back in 1963, would you believe on August the 14th, the same mob that is behind Gama, the UK. Uh, actually presented uh, to the Australian Parliament the Yukala Bark Petitions. Mm, mm. And that was Seeking recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples in Commonwealth law. Mm, now, here mm. we are. How many years later? 54 years later. 54 years later. And bugger all's been done. It seems like it. Yep. Well, it fell on deaf ears. Well, of course, who would doesn't. have been motivated to get that ball rolling? But, but they, it shouldn't have. It, it should have happened years before that. Even like the the, the indigenous people have been in Australia. What they reckon now for sixty five thousand years, but because they didn't have a bit of paper to say they owned the land. But you the know, easiest way to deal with complex things like this is to procrastinate. Procrastinate. Just yeah. put them up. It's like equal marriage rights. Yeah. This is. Uh, it's coming to a head. Yeah. And people are not willing to just sit down and shut up anymore no and they're eager for politicians to actually do something so i think this is good timing all around let's all get, oh, yeah. get our let's backs up get our backs up for both of those now, articles the, the 1963 uh, petitions on written on bark protested against the granting of mining rights on 300 square kilometers of land which had been cut out of arnhem land which was in fact already Identified as Aboriginal Abri- that's lands. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And say, so, oh, so, oh, there's something magic it's under under the ground. Something magic underneath. Let's dig it all up. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, we'll grab that bit of land back from you, mm. having stolen it from you originally, and then given it back. We'll, we'll steal it again. Mm, mm. And uh, the Prime Minister at the time, Robert Menzies, received the petition, but he, as a politician, has faded so far into the dark distance mm. that. We don't realise that this petition has been on the books and not satisfied by any political party that's been elected since. I can never understand why the the invasion people, yeah. the invaders, the white people, could not recognise that these people were intelligent, 
ordinary human beings that didn't they didn't write down anything because they didn't need to they had their own storytelling and 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 it just it just beggars belief that you you cannot ignore people that have been living in a country for centuries well you can because that's the the way invaders work yeah, I suppose you so. have no if they don't meet your standards of education or experience mm. then they must be worthless you don't investigate them and yeah. find out what yeah. they do and how they've survived for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. You just come in and say, oh, look, I looked at, looked, look at this place. We, we, come from a, we come from a country that's just about to invent the railway line or something. Or yeah, other. we're yeah. superior. We're so, so superior, yet they, they couldn't live in the country without basically yeah. oh. pulling it apart. Yeah. And, they, and trying to turn it into England. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the the Ing- well, indigenous people have been living here all that that's time. That's right. Well, we've got examples elsewhere in the world, and I know we don't often like to say well this, the US has done better than us in this but they have been through the same process mm. of considering whether there was any uh, rights for the Negro population of the US and Lyndon Johnson the president said well you know what is the point of the presidency if it's not about civil rights mm. and they have been through the process and they've got all the legislation in place there but it's taken a long time and they've got a lot wrong yeah they have and they're still arguing about it but Mm. we haven't got anything wrong yet except the basic we haven't done it we haven't recognized it (laughs) so it's malcolm in the muddle again yeah without the cute boys oh from malcolm in the middle yes (laughs) but i was watching it on uh, the television the other night and i'm sitting there screaming do something you bees and do something about it. It's time. You know, we, you can't not do something about it. There's people that have got, oh, I don't know, it just, it, oh, I get so wild I could scream at times. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, what are the First Nations people wanting? They're wanting a voice in the parliament. So they should have. A representative body enshrined by the nation's founding document. Okay, it's the constitution. It'll have to be altered by a public vote. In New Zealand, the Maori Party have a certain number of seats in the parliament. Yeah. I don't know that we're saying that's what we need here. But they need better representation. They need some representation Mm. because they're certainly not getting it at the moment. The only time anybody is getting recognised in our system is when they convert to our system. Yes, exactly They're working right. within our rules, yeah, yeah. whereas we should be respecting their yeah, history and, yeah. their, That's, and their cultures. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now what, what about the discovery in Adelaide the last couple of days? That was incredible, wasn't it? It was a, They were going through some old papers in the library and wondering whether they should keep them or not, and he found, they found a book from 19, 1834. 1834. That's two years before the formation of the state of South Australia. And when he opened it up, there was this charter for the formation of the state of South Australia. And it's one of the, there's only, I think, six copies in the world of this, um, this charter. And it was even before they had done anything back in England about forming the, um, because we, we had to do what the parliament in England told us to do in those days. The, the local indigenous peoples were recognised and respected in this charter document. And they, it was two years before the English did anything about it. So it's really quite amazing that this document is still actually there. And What's in the water in South Australia that makes these people so progressive? I'm never quite sure that. But well, well the, don't forget that they are only 60, at that stage, they are only 60 years on from the War of Independence in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Australia was thinking, well, perhaps we 
are going to be going down that path as well and being independent of the UK or Great Britain. Mm. Therefore, we need a charter that re recognises the original inhabitants, just as... The people in the South Australia have always had independence because they were not they were bound never, by convicts. They were they never were, they a were, They were a state. private company that was started in England by... George Angus. George Angus, and he started the a, a company and people paid money to come out to a to, to be in Adelaide, which was the up they they had found where this place was for a city, and they and so they came out here and settled in South Australia. So they've always been really yeah. independent but up until they, mm. up until Federation. South Australia was always the state that was ahead of everybody else because and they could do. They had already granted independence to or the, recognition to the Aboriginal race of to South the Australia. Mm -hmm. But then at 1901, when the, the Constitution came in. Came in yeah. They would lost everything. Yep. The Aboriginal. Sorry, you're suddenly you're, you're invisible. Yes. You know when again. That's right. Just yeah. like the ground. They, they Terra nullius. They could vote and they could have land rights up until Commonwealth. Golly thing. gosh. Mm. Mm. So, this so it's been a long time coming. Oh. 1834, mm. well, 1963. Well, 1901 when they when the Commonwealth was, was formed, that the Aboriginals were then dis disenfranchised in South Australia to start with, but then disenfranchised all around the, all around the country. Golly gosh. You can't... I think our politicians have got poker faces. Well, I think they could do something, couldn't they? Let's have Lady Gaga. She's talking about having a poker face. Well, I think we know our politicians are like that. Come on, Malcolm. Get your do something. organised. Give recognition. You're on joy. 94.9. Been there, done that. Phil, Chris and Gordon. To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. Joy 94.9. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Thanks very much for being with us. We've got a pretty meaty old program today. Coming up, we'll be talking about the Snowy Mountain Scheme. And then we'll be talking about a fellow by the name of Herb Ritz, who was a famous photographer in the U.S., but he's a gay man, but he wasn't photographing men. No. He was creating icons of his own. Right. And in the process, he's become an icon. On the 1st of August, 1949, so around about this time, a long time ago, the Snowy Mountains Hydro Scheme was instituted. Snowy Mountains Hydroelectric Scheme was to actually built to create power but it also was to help the farmers have water for their farms as well. It was first proposed way back in 1918 because the farmers wanted water. But then in 1949, the Labor government decided that they would, Ben Chifley decided that they would build the Snowy Mountains Hydroelectric Scheme. The, the snowy area, the snowy mountains in uh, southern New South Wales is not a particularly hospitable part of the countryside. It's the area where there's lots of valleys and high mountain peaks mm. and it's rugged stonework and 
terrible seasons there, snow in winter and but high were, heat in but summer. Was, well, they had to know, build they, some dams. Yeah, that's right. That they were and block the water from mm, the snow melt. Yep. Stop that from going downstream. While they were building up the. And then they had to have tunnels, usually big pipes, taking the water down the hill, getting up a terrific speed as it went down that would turn the turbines at the bottom of the hill and this would be then turned into power which would feed into the electricity grid and the water after that would then be sent mainly inland for irrigation purposes mm. as I, you were saying i think it went into the murrumbidgee river didn't it? i think it was there it but did. the worst part about it was that they by damming the snowy the snowy river when it flowed down to its mouth in victoria was basically had no water in it. And it became a dry uh, creek bed. Just be, well, they, there was a little bit of water came down there, and it wasn't until many, many years later when one of the local politicians down there was elected on getting more water into the Snowy River, and the, the government said, right, they would release so many billion litres of water every year into the Snowy to keep it flowing. Yeah, mm. and the irrigators complained about that. They, they said, that's valuable water, and where's it ending up? In the sea. No, but it, there, there was Doing the, the job of a river. Yes, that's right. But there was also there's also farmland in Victoria that was relying on the Snowy Mountains water. So what was the payoff? The the farmers got their water we got and the public got the electricity that's to, right. so we wouldn't fuss about losing the water. Mm. But the greatest benefit to Australia was the workforce. The immigration. Because the immigration was of Central Europeans who had experience in snow country in making hydro dams mm. of all this sort of heavy engineering, and they wanted to get out of Europe after the war too, which they was another did. thing. You know, so this is why we've got people from the Baltic states, from the Central European states, from Switzerland well, area. Well, it was the start of Germany. multiculturalism, really, wasn't it? It, it was. It there was a hundred thousand men and women from thirty different countries. Wow, mm. that really mixed up the genes. And Boy, didn't didn't Australia's uh, economics go gangbusters when that started? This is what they say that if you have immigration, your economy is going to improve yeah. mightily. But unfortunately, at the moment, we won't allow the amount of people coming into the country. But then you've also got to remember that Australia is a very dry country with very little water, and they, you you have to have a maximum number of population for the water that we have. Other than that, you have to build desal plants. The trouble with hydro schemes, because it's very clean energy, mm, mm. That's, that's true, yeah. but to get that clean energy, you have to kill an environment. <laughs> you have to drown all the wildlife, yeah. it's just changing it forever. Yeah, well, they would have been smart enough to sort of, as the water was rising, they would have been getting out of the way. Well, maybe the drop bears you know, fell to the ground and wriggled away, but... Mm, so, mm, mm. It, but the trouble is, the, with electricity, the more you generate, the more we'll use. Oh, God, yes. The, yeah. the Hoover Dam mm. in Colorado was best known for powering Las Vegas. Yeah. They had excess power, which they shipped to Los Angeles. Now it doesn't even power Las Vegas. Politicians, if I can come back to the snowy scheme, mm -hmm. please. <laughs> our dear Malcolm, our beloved leader, has suggested that snowy 2.0 is on the books opportunity to create jobs and create wealth what, what they but want to do though is just to I turn the water around and re yeah. reuse it they in other words pump it up the hill mm. so the energy of it coming down it has to be used to pump it, it back go, up again but there's always going to be losses so eventually there'll be no water and no power 
because it can't go around more than four times. Well, can you I, can't have perpetual motion. Exactly. Can I have a perhaps a suggestion? For me or for Malcolm? For everybody. Don't hold your breath waiting for it to be built. Oh, I, well, in fact, I think <laughs> Snowy 2.0 is already talking. fading from that's, that's, the memory. It was, it was a big oh. thing to make up a bit of a headline, it's and now it's yeah. a One political diversion. A yes. thought bubble. Yes. Like but a, are we using the same turbines and generators that were put there in the 1960s? Or have we upgraded oh, to new look, technology? Oh, look, I wouldn't know. I don't know the answer. I wouldn't but know. And it's probably the last great piece of infrastructure that's ever been built in Australia. In lots of ways, it's more of a disaster than it has been a benefit. Perhaps we are only able to focus now on the bad aspects of the whole project mm. because of the way the water is being misused or just wasted. But at the human level, we have pasta and pizzas. We do, we from, do. From those immigrants. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and schnitzels. Yep. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, well, as George Michael would have said, too funky. But you're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that. Stay tuned. There's more. A diverse sound for a diverse crowd. Joy 94.9. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. We're coming towards the end of our show, but we need to talk about Herb Ritz in our little glance at history of gay history in the world. Philip Philip didn't know who Herb Ritz was. Well, I know the song. What's that? Putting on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. Oh, yes. <laughs> wrong this one. Is, wrong one. This he is doesn't her. even spell his name right. It's R-I-T-T-S. <laughs> yes, that's right. He became a very well-known photographer of fashion. And he was, he was he, when you read the list of people that he photographed for different publications and everything, it is mind-boggling the, the number of famous people that he actually met. Naomi Campbell. Stephanie Seymour, Christy Turlington, yes. Cindy Crawford. Yes. But he also photographed Marky Mark for the Calvin Klein ads. They were the ones that you would see on the boards, on the hoardings here in Melbourne. Oh, that, is that that underpants That one? underpants one. Yeah, Marky oh. Mark with his underpants. You could, you could, he was very, very popular at the St Kilda Junction. I was going to say, <laughs> I think I remember seeing Yes, that you would have. Well, that was a Herb Ritz, yes. So he is a gay man, born on the 13th of August 1952, and he died uh, in December 2002 at the age of 50. So he, he didn't have a particularly long He was an life. HIV positive man and he died of, of pneumonia but it wasn't the pneumocystis pneumonia that is a, just an ordinary yeah, if the first disease it was another pneumonia that actually yeah. filled, kill, killed because him. Because in yeah. those days the treatments really knocked your immune system oh, around yeah, yeah. a hell of a lot well, and any little bug that got into you is likely to do extreme damage yeah. and that's what happened there yeah, for, yeah. for Herb. But he was remembered for his superb fashion photography. He was just absolutely stunning. But I've got a list here of some of his commercial work yeah. and he's got names like Paul Mitchell Cartier, and then in 1995, Hagen does the Hagen ice cream does, company. The ice cream company, Ooh. yes, which would be very important to have a good picture of ice cream. Ooh. We've probably bought products as a result of photos. photography. That's right. Yep. I mean, yep. Lacoste, Levi's, Gap, Maybelline. No, I haven't bought. I haven't any bought Maybelline, Maybelline stuff, lately. No. Well, the, you just don't tell us. <laughs> Chanel, <laughs> Ralph Lauren, Giorgio Armani, Revlon. Yeah, so he's actually featured more for. The women of the world. Oh, yeah, but he did photograph but men as well. Isn't yeah. that good yeah. that a gay man has the eye 
for whatever would actually attract. When, once he got to be a bit well known, advertisers would go to him and say, "We want to do a, a promotion." For know so what was all going the on. big fashion magazines, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, Vanity Fair, yep. they would have featured the photos. Yeah, well, he did the photography for Olivia Newton-John in her uh, physical, physical album. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, he did videos as well. Wasn't only a still photographer. But um, he'll be best known for his Calvin Klein's. Oh, I think so. Among the gay memory. Isn't it appropriate that you should, if you've got a strong brand and you don't muck around with it too much, it it gathers strength. Well, of course it has to. That's what's happened with the Joy logo. It's only been slightly tweaked over the years, Mm. and it's now good for us for another 10 years as it is. It's just been refreshed, and that's what happens to things like airlines. They they change very slightly. Yeah, but doesn't what yeah. because they're advertising their product and they're naming their product because there's lots of similar products up in the air. But when you see, you know, a plane with the the kangarooster, yeah. you can say, say that's a Qantas plane. You don't need to see the words. But Qantas, of course, Australian owned and uh, it's a famous export. Yeah, Queensland and Northern Territory Air Service. No, you're wrong. What was it? It's Queens and nymphomaniacs trained as stewards. Oh. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but you knew that, sure. I didn't know. It's the first I've ever heard of that. <laughs> truly, truly, it's the first I've ever heard that. Back on the 8th of August, 1926, which is not all that long ago. It's I mean, only, only like what, uh, 90, 91, 91 years. years yeah. <laughs> the first aircraft produced by Qantas came out of the shed where it was screwed together. They had to assemble it from overseas manufacturers' parts. Yeah. Whereas today, yeah. can you imagine how you order a plane? You, no. You, you call your financier and say, I need $400 million. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Well, it was a de Havilland plane. Oh, from That's England. That's why the DH-50A. Yeah. Mm. And it was brought to Australia in a Ship. box. And... On the side of it, Queensland and Northern Territory Aerial Services. Uh, the contraction into Qantas didn't happen until quite some time later. No, no. Qantas has been around for quite some time. Did you see on TV over the weekend, there was on one of the channels, a s- film story about Marilyn Monroe? Yes. She died on the 5th of August, 1962. Mm. Now, she was one of the original Blonde bombshells. She of was the a very movie industry. Beautiful woman, a beautiful woman, but a very troubled woman in her in her mind. You know. I wonder if she was actually screwed around by the the drugs that seemed to be going around oh, in yeah, the film yeah. industry to to wake them up, to put them to sleep. Mm. Did you remember Elton John had a song called Norma Jean? Norma Jean, that's her. That, that was her real goodbye, name. Goodbye, Norma Jean. Goodbye, it was Norma Jean. goodbye, Norma Jean, mm. indeed. That was and, her actual name. And then that particular song by Elton John was recycled around about this time 20 years ago mm. for yes, Diana. For, for Diana, yeah. Goodbye, English Rose. Marilyn Monroe, as well as sort of being in the public eye, she also hobnobbed with John Kennedy, President of the US, around about that time. 
Well, her happy birthday, Mr. President rendition is something to see if you ever get hold of it because she doesn't wear underwear in that dress. NVP, no visible panty line. But she wouldn't wear underwear because she said it would destroy the, the line of the body through the through the fabric. Golly gosh, she hobnobbed with the rich and famous, but she also linked to American President John F. Kennedy. Mm. And I don't think he denied it. The press were different then. They knew a lot that they didn't say. And yes, they today they don't say it. These days they just print anything about <sighs> anybody. Well... We've said as much as we can get away with today, fellas. Okay, so we can go, can we? Thanks very much for your input, and it's lovely. I hope the listener enjoys what we come up with each week. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. We'll We'll see you next week. Bye now. More of the same. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.